You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 73. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that like cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So hot. You're always hot, baby. Thank you. So sexy. This is your phone sex operator voice that you have going Yes, on? it's my phone sex operator voice. You've never too. been a phone sex operator. I mean, well, it doesn't matter. No. I'm like, we've all been phone sex operators. <laughs> if we've had a partner and we've talked to them on the phone sexily, we've taken on that persona. So folks, we've got a, uh, a shorter episode for you today, I think. We were going to do a Q&A, but we got back from camp here recently. We wanted to debrief camp. And then we actually had some camp-related questions, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, people ask us questions about our camp stuff. Yeah, so we figured we'd group that together in one episode and then do the other questions in a separate Q&A. So, yeah, so camp. Was amazing. I had a great time. How about you? I had a pretty good time. I had a pretty good time. I feel like you have to explain camp for people who are listening and don't understand camp, since we're going to be talking about camp questions today. So camp is very much like an immersion experience because you're on several acres of land. Several hundred acres. Yeah, several hundred acres of land in the middle of nowhere. And it's really cool because the whole time you are surrounded by kinky people doing kinky things. Activities are going on all the time. It's like you can get up in the morning to go get breakfast and you'll see folks fucking on the lawn and you don't have to get dressed. I mean, aside from going in the dining hall, you got to have bottoms on. But beyond that, it is 24-7 kinky shit. Yeah, you know, it's pretty funny. So like for those of you who have been to kink events, when we first got into the scene, you know, and I mean, we, we were pretty active in the scene. We were really, really, really active. And they have hotel events, different places. And so we went to hotel events and, you know, for different camps, you know, we got people talk to us about camps. We were always kind of like, eh, like, you know, doesn't really sound like a great time. Like no air conditioning outdoors. But like you're having sex. Shared showers. And I don't mean with people, but like having to like share showers if you have a cabin and other people need to use the shower and all of that. And I'm kind of, for me, I'm a little bit of a priss and I'm like, I want my own shower. I want my own hotel room. And like the non-natural amenities of life is what I want. Yeah. So like it was funny. So for years, like we went to hotel events and we avoided the camp events and wrongly so in retrospect. And then we actually got invited to teach at a camp event. And we were kind of like, well, you know, cool. I mean, so. You can do everything once. Yeah, like you can do anything once and we're going to be teaching. So it's not like, you know. So 
we got invited and we went and we were like, holy shit, like we've really been missing out. Well, although to be fair, the first year you were there, it, it stormed like a motherfucker. Yeah, it was what everybody at camp described as rain again. So it was the first several days of camp was miserable because it poured and you got there and it was yeah, sunshiny well, and beautiful. And I got there because I had my other job at the time and I got there like at 2 a.m. taught three classes the next day. So I didn't have a lot of time to enjoy it either. But we were kind of like, holy shit, this is cool. Because the thing that you don't realize is like, you know, when you're at a hotel event, like it's really cool. Like hotel events are great, but you're still interacting with the real world all the time, right? Every time like you got to go out and get food or even, you know, you have to like leave the play space and get back to your hotel room in most situations when it isn't a complete hotel takeover, which is most events. And that's like in the best case scenario, because in some instances, you don't even get a spot in like the host hotel. So then you've got to put your coat on, put your regular people, human clothes on and go outside and cross the street to another hotel. And it's just, well, that's miserable, but it's not quite the same as where with camp, it's you don't have to do that. Like you can literally pretty much go from your play scene to lounging around to hanging out with folks and never really have to get out of it or get into clothes if you don't want to. Yeah. So, so, and then we've been going to camp events for like six or seven years. Well, we've been teaching at 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 least one a year for like the last five years. And they are, yeah, you, you can't, uh, there's really nothing like it. It's really something to try if you haven't. So, and there's like, I mean, depending on where you go, there's hundreds and hundreds of other kinky people there. So it's like a huge, you know, huge community thing, which I'm, I'm very much, I'll probably talk about this more, but I'm very much back on this whole planned community of kinky and poly folks kick after this event. I told you that already. I know. I'm serious. This is a thing that's going to happen in the next couple of years. But anyway, we were there and we taught some classes and we did some things. And uh, we actually arrived to camp fairly early. We got there like Tuesday night and we stayed through Monday morning. So we were there a very long time this go round. And also our classes were spread out a bit more. When we come later, we do about the same amount of classes every time we go to camp. So having more days and them spread out. Led to more open time to do stuff, which was awesome. So the first, you know, us getting there, basically we unpacked and all that. And I got sexed on a picnic bench. So sexed. I got sexed on a picnic bench. I was bent over on a picnic bench. Like that is. I think that's how that started. I think that's how that finished. That's how that finished. It started with oral and goofing around with you a little bit and. Then I got sexed on a picnic bench. And then I got sexed on a picnic bench the second day. And the thing is, is for us, like we had to like acclimate to camp because we still had some work stuff and I had some client stuff I had to work with doing in the morning and everything. And then we taught a class. And then that evening we did our first scene together, which was when it poured down raining. Oh my God. (laughs) So... I was, I was like hooked to a basketball hoop thing, like the metal frame on like a basketball hoop. And 
but with chain. So yeah. hooked to a metal basketball ball hoops, the, the stand yes. with chain, hooked there with chain. And it the weather started turning. And actually, we had great weather most of camp. But that night, you could hear the storm off in the distance a little bit. And we were doing stuff. And I was beating up on Rigel. And at one point, you were like, you know, I'm going to need to like switch positions. And I started seeing lightning off in the distance. And I was like, no, you need to come down. Because I really didn't want to have to explain why my naked husband, who is chained to a basketball court, (laughs) got electrocuted. I mean, if you're going to do that, that needs to at least be like the last day of camp, not one of the first. So that was our first scene. And then so we moved off of the basketball court into the grass to finish up and it started pouring. And as you said, it was. I don't remember. The worst subspace ever. Oh, it was. It was cold. It was cold. It was crazy, too, because like you could hear the rain coming. I've never I don't think I've ever heard that before. Like and when I say that, like you could hear the rain start at one end of camp and like move it was Towards that you. dramatic of a of a like shift yeah it was a huge downpour and then really sort of the next day is when sort of things started picking up so you know i'm not so great with time frames it's all kind of a blur to me to be honest with you okay. i mean i remember the things i don't remember when the things happened so the next day was try at night So you went to that. I did a little flogging scene with a friend that I had been saying I would do a flogging scene with for like five years. So that was great things about camp. Awesome. People are there. That stuff tends to materialize there. Yeah. And then the next day and we had sex somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. We had sex at the labyrinth. I had a friend who was sitting on a bench and I got to walk up and I said, because we had just gotten ready. We had just picked the spot and a friend well, of mine. Well, because we had done a scene. Yeah, we'd yeah. done a scene. I said to my friend who is now sitting on the bench that I was getting ready to go to have sex on, I was like, are you attached to that bench? And they were like, nope, you have at it. And it was great because like after camp, I got to talk to that friend and they were like, I'm really happy I was able to give you that bench. People at camp are super helpful. Um so then it was the next day, which you had your scene. Yeah, yeah. I did a I did a bottoming scene. I did a rope bottoming scene, which was actually really cool. I don't I'm gonna say I don't bottom much, but that's not true. I bottom to you exclusively. But I don't bottom much. Most of my play with other people is topping. And like a lot of the other when you've bottomed to people, it's been like co-topping with me. Well, yeah, but you. I mean, even even saying that, I don't do it a lot. Like, and I don't, I, I think it's just a like finding tops that their play looks interesting to me. I didn't, I didn't top as much this much as this camp as I typically do. I usually get a lot of my topping-y tendencies out at camp and I didn't do that as much this year, which didn't make it any less awesome, but that was something I noticed. I did a lot, a lot, a lot of bottoming. But yeah, no, so that was that was actually a pretty, pretty cool scene. Had some stuff with rope that I haven't had done before, like little tiny thin torture rope and things like that. So that was uh, that was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. You were like, you had your scene. I'm like, which scene? What scene are we talking about? There were so many scenes. I can't keep them straight. 
Well, I said yours because it was one that we didn't do together or mm. co-top together. So this is true. But I, I've got to be honest with you. It's funny. Like I'm thinking about camp and like I remember the scenes and I almost like I could talk to you like I can talk to you about them, but like trying to run through them, I can probably even put most of them in order in my head, but trying to run through them in terms of what happened when, like specifically, I'm totally shot on that. I, I just, I don't know. I'll keep you on track. Will you? Yeah. So after your scene, later in the day, we did a scene before dinner. Oh, like the stomping. Yes. So I, I stomped Rigel right by the, uh, the food hall, which was a lot of fun. That I remember pretty vividly. But the fun thing with that scene was... That wasn't the fun thing? Well, the fun the, the scene itself was fun, but there was a, a funny thing that happened before that. So before going out for that scene, oh, I had put on all my, my God. super... Oh, are we going to post this picture in the show notes? Sure. We put on my super, super... I, well, I shouldn't say we put yeah, on... Yeah, I'm like, I didn't put them on. <laughs> I put on my super, super, very gay outfit. And when I say this, I have my gay sparkly boots, my knee highs that are rainbow. I have my rainbow suspenders on and my purple cock. And evidently there was a queer mixer that was oh, going on. Yeah, and- we were walking down to the we were walking down to the scene spot and they, there's like a board that has like the events. We're like, holy shit, there's a queer mixer. You have to go up. I don't even remember what I did while you were in that mixer. But uh, yeah. I was only there for a few minutes. But I came in and I pointed to my erect purple penis and was like, I'm very, very excited to be here. <laughs> so that was a funny How side did it go for it. you, though? I wasn't actually up there for that. I, I didn't. Uh, and it wasn't a queer. It was a femme for femme. It was yes. like a femme for femme mixer. Yes, femme for femme mixer. I feel like the organizer of that was like, this is not serious enough for this mixer. But it was actually very well taken. I got asked to play. Someone asked me if I would do a scene with them with their giant unicorn horn. That didn't end up happening at camp just because of like time frames and alignment and all of that. But it actually went pretty well. It was pretty cool to be able to go and see other femmes who are looking for femmes to play with. And not a lot of events have that sort of mixer or munch or anything like that, where it's specifically for, you know, femme people looking for other femmes. So it was pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, that was funny. Like I said, I'm you're, you're having to kind of lead this conversation. You just yeah. want to talk about scenes. You can. I don't really think it matters to go in order. No, to it be doesn't. I you. just I, I that that helps me keep. Track. I know that at some point I wound up dancing in front of a primal fire. For the first time. That was actually a first for me. I had a I had a couple of firsts for me this camp. That was actually a first. I know that might be a weird one for people, but like I've done most of the kinky stuff by this point. I don't have a lot of kinky firsts anymore. Maybe it's like super specific things. It has to be really, really, really specific at this point for it to be new. But yeah, I did dance in front of a primal fire. That was pretty cool. I enjoyed that a lot more than I thought. I have a really hard time getting in flow for anything. Like I'm always like super distractible. So like being able to get like in state for anything for me, like makes that a good thing. I'm going to leave the one scene to segue into our question about camp because I feel like it makes sense to put it together. 
So I'm going to There's skip. two scenes that are kind of in in the questions. By the way, guys, when we say questions about camp, it's literally people who listen to the podcast who are also at camp who sent in questions about camp. Yeah. So we did have a awesome co-topping scene with one of our meetup play partners. We uh, have played with them a couple of times. Friends slash we tend to play when we're in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. We refer to them as the fox. The fox is a lot of fun. And I did a first this year. So we were talking about how like there isn't a lot of first for you. Yeah. I have not really tinkered with water sports. I actually did pee on somebody. So that was pretty <laughs> awesome. But the scene we kind of started off with. Oh, yeah. We have Planning. to talk about this scene now. So we've got like actually two questions about the scene, but I feel like we need to talk about the scene first. Yeah. And, and we can kind of talk about how it came about, I suppose. So we we did our prep work. We got over to where we wanted to be and we were specifically looking for a very specific place. Yeah, this was really difficult. So we, we had like a we're going to meet up at this time and scene and we're like, OK, what are we doing? Like, I don't think people appreciate, we're actually going to talk about this a little bit. I don't think people appreciate, like, who don't top, appreciate, like... The planning? The thought that goes into, yes, into scenes that, like, you know, like, with topping. Like, I can say as a bottom person, it's very easy to not appreciate the thought that goes into people trying to plan, especially when you're trying to plan different stuff. So, like, we were walking around camp... This is literally how this came about. We're walking around camp and we're like, hmm. What would we like to do? What to would the we box? like to do? <laughs> Let's go walk around camp and try and figure out what we want to do. And so I was like, I think it'd be awesome to drag the fox through mud. Because yeah, we were walking around, we kept seeing like these muddy spots. Because it rained just a little bit. We talked about the storm already. Yeah. So there was some leftover goopiness from that, but it had rained a little bit earlier in the morning. And we were like, yeah, dragging a fox through mud's awesome. That sounds like a very fox thing to be done to you. Yeah. We were like, they'll enjoy that. And then I was like, well, the fox enjoyed fucksaw before, so we should do something with a fucksaw. And then we're like, well, shit, you don't want to drag somebody through the mud and then just fuck saw them because that sounds like an infection. <laughs> so now we need water as well. So like by the end of this, we're looking for like a place that has mud, electrical power because your fuck saw uses a plug and water, water. Yeah. I was about to have a very ADHD moment about battery-operated fox sauce, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, so basically we needed the Captain Planet of areas for... Who said this? Somebody said somebody that. Somebody at camp said that. They were like, we were like walking around asking, they were like, so you need like the Captain Planet version. We're like, what? They need, you need earth and power and water. And we were like, shit. <laughs> and they were like, but not heart, just hard. We were walking around camp, and the funny thing is there are so many resources at camp, but trying to find a spot with all three of those was not very easy, but we, we accomplished it. And so how we started out the whole scene was we told the fox to, to take off running. We chased- I warned you about this. Yeah, the fox is faster. I warned you they were fast. They are, they are very, very, very fast. So the, the fox took off running. You finally the caught up. The fox took fox. off blindfolded. Yeah. 
The fox was a lot easier to catch blindfolded. You told them they could take the blindfold off because it kept falling, and then the fox made it halfway across camp by the time I caught them. Anyway, so you got the fox, we got back to, and because it was halfway across camp, we now had to drag the fox back to Captain Planet Area Play Space. We brought the fox back, beat the fox up, drug the fox through the mud. And you know, I have to say, we were having this discussion. People at camp are like super fucking helpful they were literally rerouting traffic because the spot that had mud was like kind of on the way to the parking and like when we first started rolling around there a car like came through and we had to move and so instead of like asking us to move they literally started redirecting traffic so we could have a mud pile that was amazing so we 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 drug the the fox to the mud, beat the fox up. I got to pee on the fox, which was cool. It was a different experience for me. So the fox got a first. Although for you kind of got pee fright for a second. Don't say that. The fox might hear that. I I okay. So I have some pee anxiety. Like when people talk to me in bathrooms, I can't pee. And so I went to do it and I had a moment of like, oh gosh, am I going to be able to do this? Like, it seemed like a really cool idea up until this point and now I'm going to freeze. But I was able to accomplish that just fine. So we beat the fox up more, drug the fox up. We had a handy dandy bucket with soap in it, baby soap, to douse the the fox in so a big bucket that we found and a hose and a hose and well we we threw the bucket of soap for well we hosed first and then we threw the bucket of soap and hosed them off and they really really do not like cold so it was fantastic listening to a whimpering fox and then i beat the fox up a little bit while you went and hooked up the fox saw and we had drugged the fox around on a collar on their hands and knees, which was pretty awesome because they're an animal and they can't walk on two legs. Yeah. And the fox is really good at walking like that. So had lots of practice. And handcuffed. That was pretty impressive. It was very impressive. So then after that, you know, we now that the fox was clean fox, we fuck sawed the fox and it turned out to be a pretty awesome scene. I had a good time. And uh, anything else I'm missing? That was a big thing. No, no. We made the fox say what foxes say, which is, uh, yeah, so. Last year, the fox said nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> so That's another story. I don't know if we told that. But anyways, so that gets to, we actually, because we actually have two questions about that scene. Did we talk about drowning? Oh, that's later. We actually have two questions about that scene. Yeah. So Stacy from 33 from Virginia says, Cassie and Rigel, I saw your scene at camp with the slender human puppy kitten. It says with the slender human question mark, puppy question mark, kitten question mark. (laughs) It would be fox. Also human. Human works. Yeah. The one you dragged through the mud and fox sawed. You worked really well in unison and complement each other very well. Do you two plan out your co-topping scenes? If so, how? My partner and I want to co-top more, but the two times we did, it was messy. Suggesting for co-topping newbies needed. So we actually teach a class on co-topping, believe it or not. I I, want to try and figure out what we can condense into an answer here. I will say, though, um, 
I don't, and I, we don't have any events this year that we're teaching it at, I don't think, but I highly recommend that if you can, you catch our co-topping class at some point. That's super helpful, but I guess we can start from the planning end. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I really stress when people are like, well, how do you guys not stumble over each other? Like you seem to have like a really good flow. We plan shit out prior to the scene. Now, I don't mean like every single little detail, but we have... Well, it depends how complicated the scene is. Even that, it's not every single detail. No, it's detail. not. You can't. There's no way to do it. But we have sort of, for lack of better terms, a bullet point plan of how something's going to go down. So taking the Fox scene, we were like, okay, we need water because we need to do this. We obviously need to do X first in order for why to happen, right? So we we plan out sort of a broad direction of what our scene is going to look like. Yeah, so like, you know, it's interesting. So like, I mean, honestly, like coming up with ideas, I feel like is its own kind of topic. I mean, like I said there, we literally walked around until we were struck by inspiration. But planning, you know, planning is definitely a thing. And I think that one of the things... How much you need to plan really depends on the specific scene that you're talking about. I will link to the show notes for um, an episode we did with uh, Sunny Megatron and Ken last year about abductions, I think. Because we actually go into quite a bit of detail about planning scenes. And we we actually have an example of a kind of a, a scene planning worksheet. We didn't do it for this scene, but that we'll do sometimes when we're we're planning out more complex scenes and we actually and I say worksheet like we drew it on a piece of paper I really recommend you look at it because you know one thing that's really helpful with it is making sure that you understand kind of the like when we usually do it we usually have like here's the end result we want to get like here's a couple key things we want to hit along the way And kind of knowing in there who is responsible for first off, like having the same plan of like, here's where we're trying to go. Here's the couple major points of the scene that we know we're going to hit so that you're both on the same page with that is really helpful. And knowing who's responsible for which of those things is also helpful. And then with that, what do you need for those things? Right. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to be planning. So in the case of, you know, the Fox scene, I'll use as an example since we're talking about it. If we wouldn't have thought of, we probably need a hose and a bucket of water to rinse the fox, there's a good chance we wouldn't have gotten to the end result of fuck sawing the fox. So making sure that you kind of go through those things and are like, what do I need for these things can be really helpful. Yeah. So I think that's one thing. As far as working together, man, I mean, there's there's a lot there, but you know, I'll, I'll just say a couple of, I'll give kind of a couple of tips on that. One thing is to know your strengths to begin with and like kind of have areas that you each are responsible for. Yeah. Like for instance, Rigel is really good at like tackling and chasing people down. I am not. So like when we have something where we want someone to run, that is usually your responsibility is to go tackle the critic. Anything where they need to be physically controlled becomes you know, kind of my, but even going beyond that, right? Like I do more rough body stuff than you do. You do more flogging. You do more strap awning for obvious reasons. Like I tend to be more nasty in some ways than you are. Like I tend to be more 
sadistic. Yes. That's the word I was looking for than you are. So like if there's a point in the scene that needs to be a little bit more sadistic taking over that, you're better at, you know, you're, you're good at lifting people and moving people because I do a lot of like checking in. Yeah. And you get to be a little bit more nicer and checking in with people. So us knowing what our highlighted strengths are, we play to those things versus I'm trying to do all the things and you're trying to do all the things that maybe the other person is better at. And along with that, the kind of scene you're doing and the environment in which you're doing it and even the furniture, right? Like this is stuff we talk a lot about in our co-topping class. But like if you have someone on a cross, you can really only get to, you know, and the cross is up like against the wall. You can really only get to one side of their body. And that's not a great as much of a great space as opposed to if you have somebody like hooked hands up in the air where they're clear all the way around uh, or, you know, on the ground, then you can kind of work different parts of their body. So keeping that stuff in mind is really helpful. And then from there, you know, there's a lot of actually practicing it, you know, so along with that. Right. And this kind of goes into that thing is especially when you're newer to co-topping, being able to communicate is super, super helpful. So how do you do that? Well, if if the bottom is blindfolded and or earplugged, it covers a lot of sins, right? Because like you can kind of whisper in each other's ears for a second without the sub knowing. You can fuck something up and kind of trip over each other for a second and the sub doesn't have to know. You know, it, it leaves you a lot more room to communicate with each other, both verbally and non-verbally. And also, since you said, Stacy, that this is something that has been kind of messy, right? Well, if they're blindfolded, they don't see that, right? Like you and your partner might see that you tripped over each other or bumped into each other, but the the bottom doesn't. And like, I mean, literally, guys, like we've had a scene where Cassie like sliced her finger open on a knife in the middle of the scene. And I actually like bandaged her finger while she was flogging and the bottom never knew about it. Like, so you can <laughs> you can cover a lot of sins when the bottom can't see or hear what's going on. I really, uh, I really recommend that. I think that's a good start. I mean, it's like I said, it's a pretty complex topic. We kind of were, we're like a podcast episode and a whole class worth of content here, but I will definitely link to it's episode 11. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And I think that that will get you started pretty well. Yeah. So Stacy did have a second part to her question. And she said, I know this isn't the case, but I have seen you at camp and it looks like you two just tackle people and ravish them. How do you? (laughs) Yes. No, no. Not just though, but yes. (laughs) Consensual non-consent is kind of like our jam. Okay, just hold on. Let me try to get through that because that was funny. Can you read it in like a sexy voice? I know this isn't the case, but I have seen you at camp and it looks like you two just tackle people and ravish them. How do you pick who you co-top? How long before the scene do you negotiate with your victims? Any key things we should know for negotiating? Are they any different than just when it comes to topping? So no, we we don't just ravish people. We don't just randomly pick people. So a few things here. First off, uh, just knowing how to negotiate in general, obviously, guys, is a skill. We have a great video on how to negotiate a scene. I will link to that in the show notes once again. This will be episode 73, I think, right? So it'll be a touchofflavor.com forward slash 073. But there is a lot of stuff specifically here that I want to address. 
Yeah. So the big thing is you take into account, you know, your typical negotiations, like hard limits, soft limits, things like that. But you want all three of you, if you're having a co-tapping experience, to be involved in that negotiation. And it's important because you don't want one person doing the negotiation and then I'm a top. I didn't hear this bottoms negotiation. And now I didn't know that X was a hard limit or soft limit, et cetera. So you want to make sure everybody's around for that conversation. Yeah. So, okay. So let's take this piece by piece. So how do you pick who you co-top? They look fun. Yeah. I was going to say, and it's generally people who ask us both the co-top, right? Like, or we specifically ask them, um, you know, you obviously don't want, and, and usually when, by the way, guys, when we approach people, we do it as like, if we're the ones doing the approaching, we do it as like a, Hey, uh, you look like you'd be fun. Um, we'd be interested in co-topping, but also, you know, if you're not interested in one of us, that's cool. Like A or B is still willing to, you know, would still be interested in playing with you. Yeah. You do you do more of the approaching than me, but I feel like that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, no, I mean, yes and no. Cause there's been people that I've specifically have approached with co-topping and weren't like, and I can just play with you by myself. It's been more with the intention of hoping to co-top them because I think they would be fun to do the, the mean things that we do when we co-top together with. But, you know, making sure that you put out there whether it is that or isn't, right? Is that something you're open to? Is that not something you're open to? So that's that. Uh, you know, also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is how do you pick your victims? I will say, and you know, this is kind of more of a general skill, guys, but consensual non-consent, which is what a lot of people see us do because, you know, those are big flashy scenes that happen in public a lot of times and we do a lot of them. And I have to tell people, it's not the only scenes we do. That just tends to be the ones that grab people's attention. Yeah. But um, there's a lot here about partner selection, guys. Like, you know, if you've seen us do a a big like takedown consensual non-consent scene we've probably either seen with that person before or have at least known them before very rarely is it that we'll hop right into a consensual non-consent scene with somebody we don't know at all and by rarely i don't think ever 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 <laughs> yeah that's just something to keep in mind guys like uh you know you want to kind of if you're doing a scene that's that edgy you really want to be aware of who you're doing it with. It's a good way to stay out of trouble. Yeah. And if there's somebody that we haven't done any kind of scening with before, we've known them for a while. We've seen their play. We know usually some of their partners that they've played with. We've been able to observe sort of their their heavier play, that sort of stuff before just being like, yeah, you're you look interesting and cute. Let me do this thing to you. Yeah. How long before scenes do you negotiate with your victims? So, you know, it depends on the scene, but usually for like consensual non-consent scenes, usually actually in advance because, you know, it's kind of a weird headspace to have all that discussion and then immediately hop into like a consensual non-consent scene. A, also, I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number two, until you've had those negotiations, you really can't plan. And number three a lot of times when you're talking about scenes that are this, I keep using the term edgy because I don't have a better one, but you'll have the conversation with people and then you'll come back later and be like, oh yeah, one thing I forgot, right? And so they have a little time to sit on it and like think about all the things you're going to do to them and then come up with with, with something that they may not have thought of the first time. Yeah. 
So the key things we know for negotiations, I would recommend that you watch the video. Different things when it comes to co-topping. I mean, I guess if, if I was really to think that through, I think I'd say like, particularly with sexual stuff, maybe ask if it's like, you know, they have different preferences as to who can do what. I don't feel like we've done that that much though, to be honest. I feel like usually we're like, what are your, and I think that has to do with more because typically our, you know, safety requirements as far as sex are above the other people. So we usually don't get into that kind of too far down that road. Um, I mean, I end up usually asking like the Fox I asked because we've played with the Fox before. This is not the first time we've played with the Fox. And we um, still renegotiated again, guys, by the way. Yeah. Like, hey, since we played six months ago, I think it's been about six months. Yeah. A, what's changed? And B, just remind us about your limits. It's been six months now. <laughs> like, yeah. So I had asked the Fox before, you know, is there anything that is OK for, say, one of us to do? but isn't okay for the other, or is it just blanket? This comes up a lot, especially with sexual activities, depending on people's gender and sexual orientation. So you may have somebody who is okay with say a male top beating them up, but they're not okay with a male top fingering them or doing sexual things to them. So it's good to ask. Yeah. So it's good. It's good to ask when you're dealing with two people. And the last thing that I'll say is just, you know, the, uh, the involvement of how involved the scene's going to be and how edgy the scene's going to be. Is there a better word than edgy? Strenuous, consensual, non-consenty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But like really, you know, has to do with the level at which you want to negotiate. You know, we a few years ago did a a really, really kind of involved takedown slash consensual non-consent slash bukake slash like really complicated and that took... And actually, it was funny in that case, we didn't actually negotiate with them, but they had done like a really, really detailed write up. And then we negotiated with their partners. And that was because that was something they had specifically like they didn't want to know who was going to be involved. And it was it was a whole complicated thing. But, yeah. But we also knew that person. And we knew that person. And, prior yeah. before. So. Yeah. But really, you know, I, I think the the big key things is, you know, asking those things and making sure that everybody is on board with the negotiations. All right. So I think we answered that question pretty well. Yeah. This yeah. may actually turn out to be a whole length podcast episode. And we weren't thinking it would. You get us going on about camp scenes. We can talk for a long time. All right. Our second question is from Cooper, 38, Maryland. We took your advice and went to camp, but now my partner is acting really weird. They are really touchy. They're not usually that way. Not focused at work, seem down and strangely introspective. What's the deal? <laughs> so, okay. So first off, I will say... Let me say two things about this before you start answering. Number one. Uh, Greatly wording question. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, number one is we answered this question as soon as we got it. We haven't been sitting on it. But number two, the best part of this question is strangely <laughs> introspective. <laughs> I identify with that comment. <laughs> so go ahead. Why don't you start? So... Cooper, it sounds like event drop. It sounds like your partner is probably going through a bit of event drop. Um, and that happens. We come back from camp and I'm not going to go super, super into detail. We will link to how to deal with event drop. We had an episode with Mr. Black that was the essential guide to overcoming event drop. It was episode eight. Episode eight. But when we do things like have 
camp or conferences where we're spending days kind of playing with endorphins, playing with all the feels. Being accepted around people and not having to like hide any of that stuff and like, you know, deal with the everyday world. And usually we're sort of testing ourselves a bit. And what I mean by this is staying up late, getting up a little bit earlier. Usually we're doing some physical activities of the sorts. Um, if if you're not, a bottom, you're not doing camp right. Yeah. If you're a bottom, it didn't say if who was the bottom or the top, but either way, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, as a top, you know, you can get exhausted just as much as a bottom, but you're doing all these things and then you get back to reality and it can hit you pretty hard. Actually, Rigel, you had a, a, a pretty big drop when we got yeah. home this time around. Yeah, this was interesting. So, I mean, I, I event drop. I mean, I'm one of those people who like a lot of times coming back off vacation will get pretty down. But I, you know, I do event drop, particularly after. It's not something I've noticed so much with conferences, but particularly after camp and being immersed for a long time. And this this was pretty interesting to me because this time I took pretty good care of myself physically at camp. And so I wasn't as, I've definitely had times where like I've come back and I was a lot more physically droppy, but this was actually a really rough mental, this, this may have been the most difficult mental drop that I've had was this year. And I, I think there was a couple things like number one, we were there the whole time. Number two, um, like I said, I bottomed more than I t- like a lot of times I, I do more toppy stuff and that doesn't, that isn't the same mental space for me as bottoming. And also like had a lot of like really kind of psychologically challenging scenes and they were packed in towards the end of camp. So like we had the stomping scene, which was pretty exhibition-y and a little like embarrassing, embarrassing maybe. Yeah. So we had that. We had a scene we were going to talk about that actually was like a sensory deprivation scene that went on for like several hours on Sunday. And we got a question about that. So we're going to talk about the minute. And we had the pool scene, which I'm sure you want to talk about. Yes, there was the the pool scene. And with the pool scene, what I did... Can you just talk for a minute about how happy you were about this scene? Because you've been wanting to do something like this for a long, long time. Yeah, so Rigel is kind of scared of water, doesn't like water in his face. I have a little bit. I, I almost drowned when I was a kid, and I have a little bit of a thing. That I wanted to play with for a very long time. So he finally gave me the go ahead to do a scene in the pool. At camp, you're not supposed to fuck in the pool, but you can play in the pool. I gathered rocks from around camp. I put them inside of rubber gloves and then I duct taped them to your your shins. You couldn't get the jacks. I couldn't get the jacks. A friend of mine fell through on the jacks, but I duct taped them to your legs which was very ouchy. That was surprisingly painful. Guys, if you are looking for something <laughs> that is incredibly painful without leaving physical, like, like, like long, uh, I don't even say long-term, but like even like a moderate term damage, like, you know, like, like deep bruising or anything. And you want something that's incredibly painful, hard things on the shins, dear God, man, that was, that was probably the most painful experience I had at camp. So I I put those on his legs, which then made it pretty much not very possible for you to stand on your legs. Impossible is the right word. Yeah. Because of the way they were taped, like when I straightened my legs out, the the tape tightened up. Yes, that was was the point. (laughs) That's why I did it that way. Basically, he had to rely on me 
to keep him afloat, which obviously I didn't. So I did a bunch of, of dunking and pulling you under and you didn't want to kiss me for a while, but I finally got him to kiss me because I wasn't going to let him up if he didn't. So we did it. We did a, a bit of a dunking water scene, which was for me really awesome because it was something that it was a fear that you really haven't let anyone play with. And I got to conquer that. It was really actually difficult, like really psychologically difficult for me. So I like was one of the more psychologically difficult scenes I've ever done. So yeah, so I had all that. I had so I don't know if that's the thing. Like I had like and I had like three like psychologically difficult scenes. One of which was really long, like in the last two days of camp. So like I got home, and it was funny because like you know like a lot of times I start feeling droppy like before I leave. You're like oh, camp's done, blah blah blah. And I was kind of like, this was great. I had a great time to get home, start working on this intentional community thing, and so I can be around more kinky people more often. And and like, and then I got home, man, and I just tanked like hard hard i think i slept for like i think i like had a bit of an emotional breakdown then slept for like 14 hours like it was it was pretty bad so and you were would you say strangely strangely (laughs) i love it i was very much strangely introspective so coover the answer is uh it's normal right it's normal uh, it's kind of the the cost we pay for having that amazing time. So I really, I really recommend, and and they will recover, and I'm sure they probably have by now. You sent this like the day after camp, I think. So Cassie already sent this to Cooper, but for anybody who's listening to this, I really recommend if you're going to a multi day event, or even if you've gone before, whatever, you listen to the guide on overcoming event drop because it's really something to know about beforehand, so that you can a make sure that you're doing what you need to at the event to try and mitigate it, and b you can expect it and see you can make sure when you get back from camp that you're taking care of yourself and doing what you need to do to try and avoid it as much as possible. So you mentioned the several hour long scene that we did. And we actually have one last question from Pete, who's 26, California. He said, Rigel, nice hood Sunday. Where did you get it? Like the question, it's short. It's to the point. It's, by the way, congrats on coming out from California for this event, because we're, you guys know, we're in Baltimore, so, and the event's like an hour from us, so, it's like Northeastern Maryland-ish, the event that we're talking about, so, yeah. So, this was, this is actually really funny. So, do you want me to answer the question, or do you want to talk about the scene first? Answer the question, then we'll talk about the scene. So, this, this is interesting. I had to dig this up, and thank God for the wonders of email, because it turns out that we bought this thing in... 2009. Uh, yeah, so I, I actually dug it up and... So are you saying we have had that hood in all of the memories God, for 10 don't, years? Don't, it, yeah, it's coming up on it. It will be at Christmas. You're making me feel old. Yeah, it was actually, this was actually pretty cool. The, the story with this was Cassie had a very BDSM-y Christmas this year. So like I said, this was like 2009. We got this hood. And I will tell you guys already get it. By the way, it was not, I, I re- realized once I looked at it, it is still available. It is not a cheap hood. This was an expensive Christmas present is what it was. But Cassie got like, you had a Christmas where you got like this. We've got the picture somewhere. You got like this. And so the hood, like the nice leather hood, a cane, like a, like a caning cane, but like with like a carved bone spider handle that a friend made for you. And... 
some smaller, I think maybe it was like lube and stuff. You got all this stuff wrapped in like pages from like a porn magazine in a box, wrapped in a sex blanket and tied with bondage rope. And that was a pretty damn good Christmas present, if I say so myself. It was. It was beautiful, and I appreciate it. Yeah. So, but to answer the question, the hood is from JT Stockroom, uh, which is online. It is called Heavy Duty Leather Hood, which is pretty descriptive. As I said, it is not cheap. It is well made. I mean, we've had the thing for, like you said, 10 years now, and it's... Still beautiful. None the worse for wear. You just got to wipe the drool out of the inside every so often when you put people in it. So uh, I will I will link to it in the show notes, guys. Yeah, it's 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 JT Stockroom and it's Heavy Duty Leather Hood is the name of it. Yeah, so... You get to talk about the scene now. Yeah, so... You've just been waiting for the excuse. Yeah. On Sunday, basically around dinner time, a little before dinner time, I told Rigel that I kind of wanted him for the for the rest of Sunday evening. And this was after the pool scene, so I kind of had him most of the day, period. But um, Was this the same day as the pool scene? Yes. Good Lord, man. No wonder I came back fucked up. Yes. We started off with me just putting him in a blindfold, a regular blindfold. Um, and earmuffs. And earmuffs. And taking him down to the food hall, and I fed you. No. It started... Go ahead. With you... I don't know. I couldn't see. I know it started with you getting head somewhere. Ah, yeah. Well, on the way to the food hall, we stopped, took a took a took a little break, and I I let you eat me out. But we were going to the food hall, <laughs> um, so you know you got a snack before going to dinner. So we went to the food hall, and I had walked him around and got us some caffeine. There was a little cafe there, so we got some caffeine to share, and I got to feed him in the food hall, and. That was kind of fun because we bumped into a friend of ours. So you got to be babysat. The uh, person who was dealing out food got to help out a lot because I came up and I was like, can I get food for for Rigel? And she was she looked over at him and was like, yeah, sure. Here, let me make him a play. <laughs> like no questions asked. And then after leaving the food... We went over to a populated area where some friends were, and I switched you from the blindfold to the hood. But while I was and waiting, earplugs. hold on, I was waiting for the earplugs to come. And while that was going on, and you just had blindfold on, while Rigel was in the lunchroom, he had a friend of ours touching on him, and he knew who it was because they, you know, said who they were. Um, and I they recognize talked. the voice. Yeah, they didn't and, say who they were, but yeah, they 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 talked to him. And later, while I'm waiting for the earplugs to get there, and I'm I'm actually letting like at the time there was three different people who touched him while we were there, like you know, rub rubbed on him and poked at him and stuff like that. And the one who was rubbing his back, he thought was the person who was in the food hall. Yes, I apologize. I still don't know who you are. (laughs) I apologize. Whoever's leg I was rubbing up on there. (laughs) That was not who you thought it was, but they didn't mind. So what Rigel didn't know is I had actually talked to several people for a few days about Sunday and orchestrating, knowing where people were going to be so that I could walk him around camp, basically. The idea was to not know where he was at, walk around camp, stop at various places, and certain people would do different BDSM activities like flogging or pinching. Wait, that wasn't you who did the flogging? Only part of it. Shit. 
I'm I told still learning you. new stuff about yeah. this. Just like it wasn't just me who did the single tailing. So, um, yeah, I told you I, I used our toys and I switched out with people. So that way you wouldn't know who it was. I had a couple of people that like, I knew where they were going to be. It was like, I will be at dungeon at X t- around X time doing certain things. A couple of you guys weren't where you said you were going to be, but, uh, <laughs> as, as it is with camp, basically we walked around camp, did all that. I did my best to try to make sure Rigel didn't know where we were going. He did catch me at one spot because one spot where I was supposed to be meeting people who didn't show up, I was touching him and he figured out it was me. But uh, we had one person who I said this was supposed to be more of a central experience and they whapped the hell out of you. Yeah, um, Cassie said it was somebody that owed it to me and I was trying to narrow that down and that really doesn't help. Yeah. So, so there's so a lot of people at camp who owed me. <laughs> so that just was means you've funny. lived your life right. So we did that. And then what else do you remember? Because you were in the hood and... No, I mean, that's a pretty... I mean, it's just... But this was over the course of like several hours. Yeah. So over the course of several hours and then... Yeah. And then we made it back to basically the final place where I was at. So the Fox actually has a partner who I I stacked... We have like a, a ball stock. I don't know how else to, to explain that. That's the best way to explain yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's something that you put your balls in and it holds you in place by your balls. So I had stashed that with him and picked it up and took it while we were walking. I had to hold it like several feet out from myself because I didn't want Rigel to feel it because he was, you know, in the hood and everything. And we got there and then I toyed with you because you thought that if you got off that I was going to continue to play with you and, and, and mess with you after getting off. And so I was like, do you want to get off? Do you want to get off? And I'm, I'm, I was playing and basically I had Rigel being like, no, I don't want to get off. And really all he had to do to, to end the scene was get off. So it was actually a lot of fun for me anyway. <laughs> like I said, a lot, of, it was a lot of fun for me too. And I still, by the way, have no idea who anybody was. So very, very interesting I guess we have a lot of friends. Yeah. Very interesting scene. I, it was was kind of, it was very, it was psychologically interesting because I was, it, this was like whatever the course of like four hours. So I went in the hood and it was sunny and I came out and it was completely dark and that was kind of a mind fuck. Yeah. And I made sure that folks knew like when he was in the dining hall, it was fine because he wasn't in the hood yet that like folks didn't talk to him. So he didn't like get to hear voices and things like that. So for all the friends at camp, thank you for taking part in the very fun fun. uh, experience. So that was our, that was our last big uh, scene at camp. And our last question. So guys, I was wrong. This is our regular podcast episode length. You get us going on about fun stuff. We can talk about it for a long time, even if we only have a couple questions. So yeah, guys. So thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be doing, I think our next episode is going to be another Q&A. Yeah. Yep. We're going to uh, answer the other questions that have piled up. So we'll talk to you guys then. Anything else, Cassie? Nope. That's nope. it. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. It was great to see everybody we saw at camp at camp because we saw a lot of people at camp who listen to the podcast and who have written into us. So it was awesome meeting you guys in person. Anybody else who's out at other events that we're, we're teaching at, come see us. We're, I know we're at Apex in Colorado later this year in like September. Wow, I'm going to be traveling a lot. Holy hell. <laughs> uh, at Apex, Apex in Colorado this year. And we have a couple other events that we're in talks about. I don't know. I don't think we've confirmed anything else yet. No? 
And speaking of which, guys, you can come up and say hello to us. Do do it. I've had folks who are like, who write in later and are like, oh, we felt weird coming up and saying hi. You guys can always come up and say hi to us. And you were in our classes anyways. Yeah. Like, come up, say hi. We'd love to put a face with a name when you guys ask us questions and send stuff in. All right, guys. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. 